lock the doors. Sure. Yeah. Where are we right now, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> in the subterranean lair of our... No, we're in the, the mobile comic bay unit. <laughs> the mobile studio? Yeah, the MCBU. The I mobile wonder com- if the audio is going to be the best it's ever been. I think it will be. Because we're in like a little little padded bubble. <laughs> yeah, we, we're sealed off from all the sounds outside. But first of all, let's just paint a picture. Where, where are we right now? Where are we, we are in... Side of the Bobcat in the parking garage of our apartment complex. For anyone not in the know, the Bobcat is our 2007 Toyota Matrix. Why are we in the Bobcat, Justin? Well, because... (laughs) (laughs) Tell the people, why are we here? (laughs) Instead of in the comfort of our own home. This is comfortable. Is it? In a way, home is where the heart is. And since... Look... Basically, there's like a little. It's kind of fitting actually, because we this week we read Hellboy, and we have a little two-year-old Hellboy above us. Demon fucking piece of shit! <laughs> well, I hate okay. this kid so much. I fucking hate this. Anna hates this little I baby. Hate this fucking and kid. <laughs> the parents spawned him. She despises this. I just show. hate that they look like they could be related. They I, look the same. I rounded the corner, and she was standing on a couch, about to just <laughs> pound the ceiling. I just feel like they let their kid, they, like, give him, they're like, oh, do you want this, like, wooden block to just absently smash against the floor? Which is also our ceiling. Look, kids at this age are just clumsy. I mean, look, I get it. It's just, like, we are planning our lives around a child that we neither know nor care about. So... And my point is, if we would cultivate a relationship with them, get to know this family, then we could train this kid to be better behaved because the parents aren't doing it yeah fuck oh my god also i don't know what the fuck is going on up there but this child it's like it has no bedtime like it's just like it'll be like 11 o'clock and it's like this kid is still running around i'm like where the fuck are the parents like what is going on anyway yeah i know it's really easy to like be judgy about parenting when we like don't have kids but uh in a way we do have a kid Oh, you're right, Noodle. Yeah. <laughs> in a I way, would... our responsibilities might even be greater than yeah. those of parents. I think so, because like kids will eventually learn to speak English, and, right. and you yeah. can tell them things and they'll understand, but yeah. Noodle is always going to stay at this base level of comprehension, right. and frankly, like we'll never truly understand her, so in a way, our job is a lot harder. I also want to add, too, that, that Noodle is much better trained than this child. Oh, yeah. Right now. She has a regular bedtime. She yeah, our bedtime. is extremely <laughs> quiet, except for like maybe once every week. You mean she once every... She becomes extremely distraught. Once every morning when we leave. No, she's she, getting better. She is getting better. Yeah, how dare you. What a smart dog. How do you slander Noodle? Anyway. Oh, my God. What a day. So, we also like talked about, when did we want to record this? Because we're launching this the week oh. of... um. The 2020 presidential Yeah, election. we're currently recording it on November 3rd. Yeah. And instead of voting, we decided we're not oh going to vote. Don't put, that, <laughs> don't, don't put that shit out there. Sorry, that's a joke. That is a joke. Oh, um, God. No, we just figured instead of paying attention to the actual apocalypse going on around us, we would try to read about a theoretical one that's averted. <laughs> well, also, it's like one of those things, too, where it's like, I think, you know... Um, you know, tapping out of politics is definitely like a privilege, but at this point, there's truly nothing else that we can do except wait and see what the results are. I, I don't know. Do you think it really is going to be as dire as like? 
I think that things always seem darkest around election time because each side is trying to make the case that the other is an existential threat. Right. So you're bombarded with this, like, no, it'll be the worst thing if blah, 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 blah. Oh, man. It's funny, too, because it's like, I feel like we are old enough now that it's like we've already gone through a couple elections where it's like, this is the most important election of your lifetime. And like with this one, I'm like, perhaps it is. But like, I kind of feel like that's the reason why we have this election is because we keep choosing the lesser of two evils. So we just keep getting like dragged down. (laughs) Like we're like, oh, now. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, also, it's like we definitely wanted to record this on a Tuesday out of self-preservation because, like, God forbid that we record this after the results of the election and then have to discuss that as well. Although, you know what? Fuck that. We don't have to discuss I, shit. This actually, is our podcast. I want to go on record. I want I want to hear your prediction for who you think is going to win, and I'll predict. <sighs> okay. Um. I mean, I've lost all faith in the system. And I'm pretty fucking jaded. So I honestly think that Trump is going to win. I think that I just think that this is how the cogs of the like bloated Frankenstein machine that the United States is works. I don't think that it's up to us. I don't think it's up to anyone. I think that it's like I think we're just we're we're like trapped inside a vehicle that has no brakes. (laughs) Like (laughs) as we sit inside our vehicle. (laughs) uh... Okay, I'm going to say I think Biden's going to win, but I think it's going to be uncertain for a few, like at least a week, maybe more, you know, as all the votes are being counted and there's all sorts of maneuvering and I think both sides are going to claim victory. Yeah. I think it'll be chaotic and ugly and messy. Yeah. That's what I think. That's my prediction. No, I mean, we'll see. Only time will tell. Oh, man. You know, okay, this is a quick aside and then we can jump into the... But, like, so today... um, We had, like, there was obviously some political discussion, and we've got a good spread of Trump supporters and Biden supporters where I work. Yeah. And we had one guy be like, well, if Biden wins, there's going to be a pedophile in the office. Like, how do do you think pedophile as president is going to run? Are you fucking kidding me? Well, because he's always sniffing young girls' hair. No, I know, but Trump... Well, that's the thing is that then is this other dude actual okay. This other dude counters with he's like, well, you know, he hangs around with Jeffrey Epstein, da 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 da. And so then I thought this would be a good chance to like bring up. I'm like, oh yeah, a friend of mine makes this funny shirt that basically says the people in power are fucking your kids. Oh no! And they both just like stared at me. One dude bursts out laughing. He's also sort of nonpartisan. He bursts out laughing, and the other two guys just kind of like looked at me, and I was like, oh, "It's a funny shit." Oh my god! Yeah, nobody wants your nonpartisan. Yeah, shit. nobody wants to hear like, that no both sides stuff. Look, the thing is, it's like we're all watching different news. It's like everyone is wrong. And everyone is also right based on it's like the vacuum that they are consuming media in. You know, it's like there are so I have like so many people in my life that I love who are Republicans. I don't actually know if they are Trump supporters just because I just don't have the courage to ask them. Mm -hmm. Um, And like because I just I love them and I just I just don't want to know partially. Like I'm just like, I yeah. But at the same time, it's like we are watching different news. Definitely. Like, when I have conversations with my relatives who, like, are Republicans, I'm just like, what? Like, where are you getting this information? And, like, when they, like, look at me like I'm crazy, I realize that they're probably thinking the same thing about me. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're watching different fucking news. And I know that, yeah, hot take. I know, you know, it's like, 
I know that this is not new, but it's just like it is one of these things that I feel like we keep forgetting. And it's just somebody like, watched the social dilemma. Oh hey! my god, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But you know what? I yes, everyone go watch that documentary. I'm not gonna lie. What was it? I'm extreme center. That was oh, the... yeah, I'm an extreme centrist. <laughs> oh my god, that was so stupid. We're like, yes, it's the centrists who are the like so. Uh, right. Yeah, it, no, but I mean, it's like obviously they're trying to show it's like a. Non- yes, yeah, so they're trying. They're not trying not to offend one side or the other, and they're trying to show that both sides can be extreme. Blah blah blah. Right. Anyway. Hellboy. We should talk about a comic. Hellboy. <laughs> uh... So this week we read Hellboy. The Wild Hunt. I, it's an omnibus. I think it's actually a collection of three. Yeah, so it's actually The Darkness Calls, The Wild Hunt, and then The Storm and the Fury. Perfect. Thank you. And it is by Mike Mignola. I'm sorry. Mignola. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Figredo. And with colors by Dave Stewart. I feel like we don't give enough shout-outs to, like, the invisible artists, the letters, <laughs> and the colors. What are you talking about? This entire podcast is, like, almost exclusively about Matt Hollingsworth. Like, I feel My like... boy, Matt. <laughs> My boy. Fucking... Oh, you know, uh, Seven to Eternity, the final trade, is supposed to come out this December. I mean, I totally fell off that comic. I need shame, to... Shame. I know. I need to get back, because I did actually really like it. Yeah. It's an excellent comic. I have no time. <laughs> so... Okay, Hellboy, kind of a indie gold standard, I think, because he's not Marvel, not DC. It's been around since 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a couple of feature films. I think he's kind of a big deal. Um, you want to tell us what this story was about? Yeah, so, um, okay, so while the comic that we did read is called The Wild Hunt, it's actually, as we mentioned before, the whole arc is actually broken into three parts, or like three separate Hellboy volumes. It's Darkness Calls, The Wild Hunt, and The Storm and the Fury. So altogether, they encompass the narrative arc that is just associated with The Wild Hunt. Um, And so for this podcast, we're actually really mostly going to be focusing on the last two volumes, which is The Wild Hunt and The Storm and the Fury, just because the first volume, like, to be honest, Darkness Calls, it's really more of, like, one long fight between Hellboy and Koshay, the Deathless. Actually, like... I think it was my favorite... Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was like, okay, look. All, so all of Darkness Calls is actually, it's really just like a sampler's platter of Russian folklore, which, do not get me wrong, I am 1,000% here for that, but I was just like, why, what? what yeah, what? I was, I'm surprised, I was like, oh my god, you didn't like that part? Who is this strange person I know. in my car? Look, I mean, I loved it. It was like, it's kind of like in... Um, I imagine it's how Wednesday Warriors feel when Marvel movies drop cameos of other superheroes, uh. <laughs> where it's like somebody walks on the screen, and it's like, what? Like, <laughs> okay. So like the whole thing, I was like, oh my God, Baba Yaga. Ah! Like, so yeah, I definitely, I was into it. Okay. For that yeah. aspect of it, um, hi, my name is Hannah Murray. I like Russian folklore. Like or are addicted to? I don't know if you know this about me. Um, She'll fucking shoot it straight between the webbing of her toes, man. Look, I'm in, yeah, I'm into it. Um, so I did like that aspect of it, but as it kind of fits into the whole arc of what this story is actually about, it was it felt I was like, what what is this? Like, it was just, like, it was a too-long fight scene, interspersed with, like, stuff that is actually relevant later, but, like, overall, it was just, a, like, a too-long fight scene. I liked that part. I thought it was cool. I, <sighs> like, yeah, I mean, the Baba Yaga's been, like, this sort of bad guy through, 
So what she's they... a Russian boogeyman. She's like this gnarly witch. Yeah, like... who eats kids and all sorts of other fucked up shit. Yeah. She's really cool, but she's like a big part of the Hellboy mythos. And these three uh, stories that we read, this is kind of the climax of the Hellboy legend. Is it? Story. Yeah, this is like... this Is like. Is this like the final... So this, okay, so this is like the build-up. Basically, Hellboy Seeds of Destruction comes out, and he's like, oh, discovers Right Hand of Doom, all this nonsense. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of other stories, and little bits are sprinkled out throughout, and then this is kind of the culmination of everything, and then Hellboy, uh, spoiler, dies at the end of this, yeah. and then they're doing Hellboy in Hell now, where he's kind of exploring Hell, and like he's dead wandering around hell probably there'll probably be another big deal because you know he's like the son of a devil and all this nonsense right and so but this is kind of the climax of the story so far i guess it kind of makes sense because like as we'll kind of get more into it it's like the whole thing behind hellboy's character and we'll definitely talk about this more is just like the fact that he's constantly fighting his destiny which is that he's like the bringer of the apocalypse he's like the prince of hell like he's 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 basically the heir apparent to the devil. Yeah, he's supposed to bring about Ragnarok. Right, exactly. And so but he's constantly like fighting that destiny by like being sort of this like I guess would you call him an anti-hero? No. Not really cuz he's not really like he's not a bad guy. He's a little rough around the edges. He's not an anti-hero cuz he always yeah. does Cuz he's the like right a, thing. he's a good guy with like this kind of like dark shadow that sort of always follows him yeah it's sort of a stain that hangs over him which is crazy because like so in this comic it's like he kind of gets a new destiny which like we'll talk about in a minute but it's like it sort of flips that on his head yeah yeah anyways long story short this is the culmination of years of storytelling there's no way we could probably properly sum it all up so we're gonna attempt to just give it like but yeah, yeah yeah so read hellboy it's pretty good yeah (laughs) sure there really end up only being a few things that we need to take away from darkness calls and that's this uh baba yaga has some serious beef with hellboy because he stole her eye and one of (laughs) may i go on yes (laughs) and one of hellboy's old minor adversaries i have no idea to pronounce this oh yeah grok grok Gurok. He's a pig. We could just call him Pigman or Pumbaa. Pumbaa. Uh, like <laughs> evil Pumbaa. Evil Pumbaa. Yeah. I'm going to go with Gurgot. Gurgot. Uh, no help here. Because okay. I don't know. Um. So we actually... Evil Pumbaa. We actually <laughs> meet him um, in, I think, what's arguably like the most popular Hellboy issue, The Corpse. Yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It's it's a cool little one-off. Yeah. So it's like he's kind of like, we meet him in that one-off comic, and now he kind of is coming back. For um, revenge! Pretty much, He's also popped back and forth a few times. He's kind of been a little background player. What did you think of him as a character? Mm, Eh. Yeah, kind of like, Eh. meh, yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know... You almost don't even read Mike Mignola stories for the characters. Like, yeah. they're all kind of flat. For me, it's like the art is astounding. The... I was going to say, I was like, are you here for the narrative arc? Because, like, that is almost also non-existent. No, the art and the and the atmosphere are kind of yeah. why you read them. Yeah. Yeah, that's... so. I would totally character... agree with that. Meh. Meh. 
Yeah, his character development and his narrative arcs aren't awesome. I feel like the reason you show up is because of just like the art is beautiful and it's just weird and like. Although we should bizarre. note this, these three stories are actually not drawn by Mike Mignola. Right, it's just the story. Yeah. But the guy who did draw them is like very. He. It, it I think looks, he's better. Oh wow! I, oh wow. yeah, I'll say it. I think he's better. You know we're recording this right now, right? You know yeah. this is okay. yeah. wow. Oh, wow. I want to be on record. I said it when I first read it years ago. I'll say it again now. Wow. Okay. Bold I stance. think he's better because he's like. He can do Mignola. He can riff on it. But then he's just got, like, his backgrounds are just a little more intricate. I would agree with that, actually. And, yeah, it's, like, it's not just, like, swaths of, like, ink, you know? Yeah, I just think, I think he's a better technical artist. And I think Mignola lets, a lot of times, like, in a lot of his other miniseries, yeah. he'll just write it, which always irritates me because it's like, oh, a Mignola book. And they're like, oh, he wrote it and some other rando is doing right, the art. Right, exactly. So it's like, I kind of feel like he doesn't actually draw that often. Yeah. And so I think that Figueredo is better just because he does it more, you know? What is the deal with Mike Mignola? Can we just, like, pause on the synopsis for a second? Because, like, I feel like I... Asshole. I, okay. He's an asshole. Is he? Because I'm like... I, I know. Okay. Because I'm a huge fan of his art. I love, like, he's, like, one of my favorite comic book artists. Um, but he does seem to kind of, like, tap out so, a okay. lot. Like, okay. it seems like he, like, kind of, it kind of, like, seems like he shows up, signs autographs. In and sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes he <laughs> doesn't. I've got a story. I was going to say, I was like, I feel like there's, this is personal. That's so, fine. Okay. <laughs> no, go on. Okay, he tops out? No, he just, it seems like, I, I just feel like whenever I pick up, I feel like it's just been very infrequently that I've picked up a Hellboy book and he has fully been on it. Okay, so... Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just like he wrote it or like he, or it's like, per, like, signed off on by Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola looked at this Hellboy copy. Like, Mike Mignola maybe mentioned this in passing. He sent us an email about it. Like, by Mike Mignola. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it kind of feels like. So, in an interview, he says that the reason he passed Hellboy onto this guy at yeah. this point was because he was feeling really insecure about his art at that point in time. Interesting. And he wasn't sure that he could draw it. You know, there's a lot of shit going on in this oh, trade. Oh, yeah. And Too much shit, one might so, say. So Hellboy dies at the end. Spoilers. Yeah. And now Hellboy's in hell, right? And he's and now Mike Mignola is back drawing the book. And his excuse is like, eh, I don't really have to worry about like drawing, you know, the perfectly accurate visual representation of this famous cathedral in England, I can just draw whatever the hell I want because it's hell. Right. So, I, I don't know. I also think that he, besides maybe your standard artist insecurity, I think he also is heavily involved in Hollywood. Mm. So, he probably probably gets paid better in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so there's that. And then I think he probably has more ideas than he can physically draw. So he's like, just writes a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my theory is Hollywood and having more ideas than he can cope with. But I still think he's a little bit of an asshole. The editor of Hellboy, the longtime editor of Hellboy, Scott yeah. Alley, he also wrote some of the BPRD stuff. And um, he was accused in 2015 of sexually harassing people and also biting someone. What the fuck? At a Comic Con. Oh, no. And then. Uh, he like dark horse. Basically, he put out a statement being like, "Hey, like uh, alcohol, a lot of issues. I'm really sorry. I feel so badly. I'm embarrassed. Blah blah blah." Man, if only D I could get away with that. Just anytime right. I bit someone, be like, "Sorry, I have a lot of issues." Right. So, dark horse <laughs> kind of sweeps it under the rug. 
Mignola maybe knows about this, maybe doesn't, but continues to work with him. And then um, last year, someone essentially came out and was like, hey, this dude, it's not the alcohol. This is a longtime pattern of sexual of harassment. people? Well, sexual harassment and yeah. abuse, like reaching down people's pants, Jesus. groping them, trying to like aggressively flirt with like women who work under him, oh my God. all this sort of stuff. And it's like, it's not the alcohol. Dark Horse knows about it. Mike Mignola knows about it. And Mike Mignola's like, whoa, I don't know about it. Whoa, uh, hey. So it's kind of a, maybe he knows, maybe he didn't. He probably does but know. I, wanna, I just, <laughs> fuck that guy. That's, some of the artists who've worked with him before have said, like, there's no way that Mike Mignola didn't know. So That's some fucked up shit. Yeah, so we probably shouldn't even read this book or review it. Well, actually, that's a really interesting conundrum because then it's like, how do you separate the art from the artist? By roasting it. He's just talking about no, I, no, he didn't do the art, so we're good. No, 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 but I mean, I mean, in general, I mean, like the concept, like, at, like for example, like, you know, um, like with Woody Allen, like he is a piece of shit. But like, if you love Woody Allen movies, like, how do you, how do you find that line? Okay, here's what you do. If you already bought it, then you just do your best to put up a mental barrier, right? You like, you already spent money, you already supported the person, so you're like, ah. I guess, yeah. Um, yeah. Unless, of course, sometimes, some people do things so heinous that you're like, it kind of turns your, you're like, oh, I can't enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, like, anymore. what about Bill Cosby? Well, I never was a Bill Cosby Yeah, but fan what if you were? If I was? I don't know. Well, like, I kind of am struggling with this recently just because it's like, I am, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you're probably just finding about this right now. So um, <laughs> What? Um, but recently, you know, obviously she's come out with, like, a ton of, like, transphobic comments and, like, she is transphobic. And it's, like, this thing where it's just sort of, like, does that then, it's, like, how does that affect, like, my consumption and enjoyment of Harry Potter and, like, the related wizarding world? You know what I mean? Right. So I'm saying you already bought this stuff. You already, quote, unquote, supported them. Right. And if you burn it now, then you're, like, then you're getting rid of, like, No, precious... it's, like, and I, I mean, maybe that's not a good example. I feel like Bill Cosby might be a better example for this just because I feel like with J.K. Rowling, it's, like, um, it's because i don't well i don't know yeah because i this is again back to the crux of the argument because like harry potter i think has meant so much to so many different people and especially you know it's like there were so many people in the trans community who like came out and like we're talking about how it's like harry potter was like a huge like part of their lives and how hurt they were by this but like they're still gonna like consume harry you know be like interested in harry potter they're not gonna it's not just gonna go away but it's like i don't know like how I guess what you're saying is, like, at the end of the day, it's about supporting the person who created the art. Part of it. I don't know. There's probably more to it than that. I mean, I, all I'm saying is, it's like, I guess you already own the books. You have memories that are, like, not even really associated with her. They're more, like, the characters in this. It's almost right, bigger than like, she is now. I guess. So it's like, the question is, like, do you then go out and watch the movies? No. <laughs> because was, I guess because it is directly yeah. putting money in her pocket. And then like, do you go out and buy the books if she puts out new books? Well, no, because for, she like I I think the secret I think the secret power to the throne was actually her editor. Probably. Yeah, because yeah, it's like whatever everything that she's put out since Harry Potter has been total trash. Well, it's also I think that's like George Lucas syndrome. Is that like once you have a hit, then nobody wants to tell you, no, you can't do that because you're clearly a, a genius, right? And you, like, and you know what you're doing, so. Like, everyone lets you roll, and no one tells you, like, that's not... Don't do that. Hey, right. like... Yeah, so I think probably, yeah, a victim of her own success. But with Mike Mignola, like, I mean, going back to the original, like... Well, look, this book I bought used for $5, so it's not going in his pocket. And 
But then I guess it's like, so what you're saying is that for you, it comes down completely to, like, financial gain. You don't have any, like, moral dilemma about, like, enjoying work by, like, people who are morally shitty. (laughs) I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And then it was only when I was researching this thing, I was like, I saw that name, the name of his editor, Scott Alley, by the way. I'm also, like, just to clarify, I'm not asking you to, like, come up with, like, a stance on this, like, right now. I'm just curious, like, what your thought process would be around it. Oh, I mean... Would I ask Mike Manuel for an autograph? No. Wow. Probably wouldn't get one anyways. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. No, I, I um I don't know. It, I I go back and forth on him a lot. Yeah. In terms of my actual just removing totally from it the whole the allegations that he knew stuff and didn't do anything. I already kind of waver on him back and forth. Just as like a comic book creator, yeah. So it's kind of like I don't, I don't really know, man. He's already on shaky ground, so I guess, yeah. But I will. Oh, sorry. I will say this: I don't have to feel bad about roasting him or critiquing him. I guess, right? I guess, yeah. Because yeah, no. you can be merciless and be like, ah, fuck that a, guy. Yeah, he's a dick. Fuck you, Mike Mignola. Yeah. <laughs> Mignola. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get back to the summary. All right, so um. Evil Pumbaa, basically, he... Okay, so he kills the king of the fairies, and he resurrects the dismembered limbs of the Blood Queen, who we will find out is actually Nimue? Question mark? Yeah. Merlin's girlfriend. What the fuck? Yeah, like, uh... It's crazy because, like... So for anyone who isn't familiar with Arthurian legend, Nimue is basically the Lady of the Lake. So honestly... The jury is, like, kind of out on Nimue, like, within Arthurian legend. Wait a minute. I watched the Merlin miniseries from the 90s. Oh, with she Sam was Neil? Not, yeah, she yeah. was not the lady in the lake. Okay, bear with me. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. So oh. it's like, yeah, Nimue, oh. it's like a weird character. So it's like, so, yeah, it's like, I think that she's most well-known in modern day as, like, Merlin's girlfriend who, like, trapped Sam Neil in a fucking cave um and like gets burned by a dragon right but it's weird because she's also the one who takes arthur to avalon like when he's dying after the battle with mordred and she also shows up for him like a number of times so it's very weird to me that she's being cast as the villain here because it's like she's not a traditional arthurian villain aside from like that sort of like offshoot in her lore where she like kind of fucks Merlin over. But it's so it's it's very weird to me that they chose her as the villain where it's like what? Like it's like that's a fucking weird left turn. Especially because I think in these situations usually you see Morgan like Morgan Le Fay like being cast as like that character. Overdone. I mean, I get, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, And Morgan Le Fay is actually, like, a character in this comic as well, but she's kind of, like, she's more of an instigator. She's not a big bad in any way. It's just weird. It's, like, Nimue? Like, what the fuck? Because she's probably the character with the least baggage in the Arthurian legend. So it's kind of like you can kind of do stuff with that character, retcon it in a way. I guess, yeah. You have more freedom to kind of be like. And, like, uh, I just, like, hate, I, I hate myself when I do this, when I become a gatekeeper for things like this but i was so annoyed reading this because it was yeah, just like you like turned and looked at me and were like what yeah because it's like they kept referring her as like vivian nimue and it's like in I, the movie 
No, no, no. In the comic. Really? Yes. They kept calling her Vivian Nimue. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, in Arthurian legend, it is actually interchangeable, where it's like, um, the Lady of Avalon, like the Lady of the Lake, is sometimes referred to as Vivian, or sometimes she's Nimue. But it's like, it's just weird that they combine the two. It's just like, pick one. Like, what? Like, what is even? Oh, Nimue sounds more evil. It does. But it's like, I just, I, I was like, what is even? I yeah. just not a fan. Anyway, um, so okay, so we kind of leave them to their evil or whatever it is, and Hellboy receives an invitation from a group of English gentlemen who call themselves the Osiris Club. So mm, yes, quite. Mm, wow, that was a really good English accent. You're welcome. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. Quick for that. tip. Yeah. If you ever want to say yes, like the Queen or British royalty, right? Just say ears very slowly. <laughs> ears. <laughs> It's good, actually right? pretty good. Yeah. I bet the queen fucking hates that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, my ears hurt. And they're like, what? Yes, well, what? <laughs> yes, you, uh, <laughs> your majesty. <laughs> okay, so the invite is basically to come with them on a giant hunt. Um, but they're like this A kind, hunt for giants. A giant. hunt for giants. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's be clear. It's kind of like this, Is this like, a wild hunt? Yeah. Yes. So it's like this like secret society of like pompous like British dudes in weird costumes um and they go out and they kill literal giants. Um and so they invite Hellboy, but while they're out, the men turn on him and stab him while yelling. Yeah, they stab a whole bunch. And while yelling, the devil shall never sit on the throne of England, which is very weird and feels like it comes out of fucking nowhere. Um, so it's like, that's at the very beginning of this comic. So the wild hunt, like that's how this sort of starts off. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck. So at this point, Hellboy becomes unconscious. And when he wakes up, he finds that the entire Osiris club has basically been torn to pieces by the giants they were actually hunting. And like, I, I feel like you're gonna have to fill in a lot of gaps here just because it's like, this was, it was just like, I, I lost the thread of this narrative like a ton of times. So we, we basically classic Mike Mignola. I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm sorry, is there a middle, uh, like, a beginning, middle, and end to this? No? Oh, it's just whatever the fuck? Great. Okay, cool. So, like, we kind of flash forward in the narrative, um, and I'm gonna be honest, it's kind of weird how they got there. I guess because he was already in England, he, like, wanted to look up this girl, but he meets up with this girl, Alice, who was the baby that he saved in Hellboy the Corpse. So Alice is now grown up, but because she had that interaction with the fairies, she's kind of like her age is sort of delayed. Right. Right. So like, um, as Alice and Hellboy try to get to the bottom of whatever fantasy nonsense seems to be like going on, um, they arrive at this castle where they meet up with Morgan Le Fay, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and they find out that Hellboy is actually the descendant of King Arthur, Arthur through Mordred, his only son. That's right. Yeah. His only son, Mordred, then had... A bunch uh, had a, some daughters and some granddaughters. Bastards. No, just just all women from Mordred on, and then Hellboy is the first male descendant of Mordred. Of Mordred, yeah. Making so it's him, like... in the outdated patriarchy, the heir, <laughs> the rightful heir to the king of to, England, to the throne to of the England. To the throne of England, yeah. To the throne of he England. Is the, he is the king of England. But a devil will never sit on, on the, the throne yeah. of England. Nice callback. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> two five seconds ago. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's like quick pause for like an Arthurian legend check. So for anyone who's like not familiar with King Arthur, um, but like Mordred is Arthur's only son um, and he, that he had with his half-sister, Morgan Le Fay, 
Arthur and Mordred end up killing one another at the final battle of Camlin, and it, they end the Pendragon line, supposedly. We should start calling the little kid above us Mordred instead of Nugget. Fitting. Very fitting. Because it's sort of like, you always say that those two, the parents look like they could be related. Oh, so it's wow. kind of like, oh, yeah. I, I, think I, we should... I hate that they look alike. It just makes me, it makes my toes curl. I hate when couples look alike. It sounds like it turns you on. It's just no. Like your toes you, curl? Yeah, you've never heard that? Oh, you've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it fucking, I just hate it when couples look alike. Because it's like, they secretly want to fuck themselves, is what I think. <laughs> anyway. um, Camelon. Mordred. Camelon? Isn't that what? Don't you mean Camelot? Didn't you say there was... Camelon. I... Camelon. They're same thing. Sure. Okay, so oh yeah. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Sorry, gatekeeping I know. Arthurian legend much? Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I hate myself. All right, <laughs> so... Good. Then my work here is done. Oh god. All right. Uh, so Morgane basically drops this knowledge that Hellboy's mom was Mordred's descendant, and that if Hellboy chooses to wield Excalibur, the honorable dead of Britain will rise to fight and put the rightful king on the throne of England. Honestly, this is kind of where I tapped out, and I have no idea... Like, what happens next? I feel like so, there are also a couple of flaws with this prediction that she just made. Okay. Because the honorable dead rise up. Right. But then so does some random unhonorable dead, dishonorable dead guy. Like traitors. Yeah, the traitor yeah. rises, but then he doesn't do anything. He kind of just disappears after bemoaning the fact that traitors don't do anything. <sighs> well, maybe that's, maybe he can't fight. Maybe he's, like, but risen, then, but he can't fight. So again, spoilers, I am jumping ahead here. Some rando dude ends up taking Excalibur and leading the army of noble dead, like restoring them to life and leading them. But then he dies. He doesn't sit on the throne of England. Yeah. So, so what was the point of that prophecy? Well, that's what's so weird. Yeah, so basically Hellboy and Alice find themselves in this weird pub. And Hellboy kind of has this moment where he's like, I don't want to be the heir to the throne of hell, but I also don't want to be the heir to the throne of England. Like, he's like, I'm just a guy. He's also afraid of what will happen if he picks up a sword like Excalibur. He keeps seeing himself basically, like, I guess drunk with power and filled with rage, continuing to become the thing that he never wants to become. Anung Unrama. Yeah, exactly. The beast. Right. And so... So I guess it's like Nimue has basically been assembling her army of like witches and demons and like she's ready to fucking fuck shit up. And I'm not going to lie, Nimue in this comic is metal as fuck. She like is this naked lady in like this long red robe and she has this fucking war helmet that looks like this Viking war with like crows on the top. Oh yeah. They some dude, some other like little lordship of magic comes to like they send some dude to pledge their loyalty and she's like, no, go back to your king, kill him. And like basically use his blood to make me a helmet. Like, but yeah, so she like assembles her army and then, so Hellboy goes to meet her and he confronts her. She morphs into a dragon. Agdru Jihad, which is like the, the big bad, the biggest, baddest dragon. They've been hinting at this since the first trade. Right. It's like this dragon that's, been before time and is like wants to destroy everything well it was kind of interesting too because it was also kind of it was an interesting parallel between the myth of like saint george and the dragon which is like england's patron saint yeah 
You know what I mean? So it's like I, it's like Hellboy coming up as like he's the rightful king of England, and then also like at, in this battle, like defeating this dragon. But in defeating her, he also like okay, I'm gonna be totally honest. Like when did he die? I like did not pick up on that. Oh well, okay, so. He basically fights her without Excalibur. Right. The rando from the pub leads the army to fight her monsters. Her army, yeah. yeah, her army. And Hellboy ends up using a piece of her helmet that gets right. transformed into another random sword. So he fights her with a special sword. He kills her, kills the dragon. He's like, I'm not going to use Excalibur, but I can use this other sword. Right. It doesn't yeah. have all the baggage, you know. Sure. So, anyways. <laughs> So Nimue's spirit leaves the body of the dragon that she's transformed into and is like, I'm dead and going to hell, but you're coming with me. And she reaches into his chest and pulls out his heart. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so what would you rate this? Um, That's hard. Yeah. Like I said, he sort of, I go back and forth a lot with Mike Mignola. Um, The art was astounding. I love the artist on this. Um... The story, his stories are kind of always hit or miss for me. And so while I enjoyed reading it, the more I talk about it with you, the more I'm like, oh, that didn't make any sense. That went nowhere. Hellboy is kind of like this, he's got this weird plot armor too, where it's like, how many times did he get stabbed? Right. Like more, it's like, he can't be hurt or he can't be killed until the very end when he has to die so that Mike Mignola can draw him in hell. Right. You know what I mean? It's like one of these things where it's like, and so many of Mike Mignola's stories sort of end with like, huh? That was weird. 100%. I feel like every Hellboy comic that I've read, I finish it and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like I. So, yeah, again, like I said, you read it for the atmosphere and the mood. I think the art was great. I'd probably give it, I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah. Based on how much I enjoyed it while I was reading it. Yeah. But as we talked about it, I found myself enjoying it. Less and less. Or like... No, I, I totally get that where it's like, so my rating for this would probably be like mm, a B, like a solid B, bordering on a B minus, if I'm going to so be honest. that's a four out of five? Um, It's like a... Because that's an 80%. Yeah, that's pretty much. It's like a lower four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you liked it a little more than I did. It, because it's like, I feel like the thing that I really love about Mike Mignola is like, I love... Yeah, like you mentioned, like super atmospheric. Like the art is amazing. I love his art so much. Well, this but this is a different artist. But it's he's working in his style. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so it's like I I love the Mignola style of art. I love that so much of his stuff involves like folk tales, like and mythology, and like I love that so like all of this, all of this was like. There was King Arthur, there was Russian folklore, like, all of this stuff I'm super into, and I love that he kind of, like, wove that in. Um, but I feel like Mignola kind of is like Neil Gaiman for me, where, like, I love what he's about as a generalization, but, like, it can be very hit or miss, where it's just, like, it's just, yeah, sometimes it's just, like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. So, like... Yeah. I always feel like with him, like, I start off and I'll be like, because I don't read Hellboy that often. I don't follow it. And so I'll be like, oh, like, oh, yeah. And I'll be like, oh, shit, this is crazy. Like, this is good. And then I'm like, and I just kind of like peter out at the end. And it's like, I think think he just can't really stick the landing. No. He is, again, like, kind of what we mentioned earlier in the podcast, like, 
his character development and his narrative arcs are sorely lacking. Like, he can draw, like, a fucking badass, like, character and, like, the set a mood, but, like, in terms of, like, a story, you're like, what? Yeah, his stories have, like, no real structure. Like, I... Like, yeah, they don't, like, the beginning, middle, and end, they, they, like, there are just certain rules that stories have to be, like, I guess, like, narratively satisfying. Right, yeah. And a lot of times I find those elements missing in his stuff. I would agree with that. Like, how did you feel about the love interest angle with Alice? The, oh, the, I was like, what? It was kind of like, they kiss and it's like, they're, what? It was just yeah, like, and it's, it's just like, yeah, he kind of, he, yeah, he basically shows up in Ireland after the wild hunt fiasco with the giants. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess she's a character now. And they hang out for a couple days, and then it's like, oh, she's actually, like, a major love interest in this. And, like, I don't know. It but was just... The kiss just felt kind of like, you are like, I guess you're attempting... You know, I think... Also, like, is Liz his no. main... That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, because I was like... Okay, so for this podcast, we recently went back and we rewatched. Like, oh, is the... it time? Oh, is... <laughs> is it time for... Beyond the Panel! Uh, yeah, let's just jump right into the yeah, movie, sure. right? Because, like, yeah. like, yeah, now... Because, actually, this is a great juxtaposition because, like... Well, finish your thought about Liz. And then oh, I'll, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Um, so, like... Yeah, because in the movie, Liz is a major player. And then it's like... But in the books, it's like... I don't think... I, I haven't, she even... I haven't read too much of BPRD, but I'm pretty sure she's a major player in the the series BPRD, which is Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Right. Sort of running parallel to the Hellboy. It's part of the Mignola-verse. Oh, God. Shared universes. Just throw up in my Uh, mouth. No, okay, so what I was saying is, like, Mike Mignola misses a lot of, like, key elements to make his story narratively satisfying. Yeah. And I think, like, when he teamed with Guillermo del Toro to make 2004's Hellboy and 2008's Hellboy and the Golden Army. Yeah. I think it was like a perfect mix because you've got the atmosphere and the weird, obscure horror elements blended perfectly with like Guillermo's Guillermo. attention to detail. And also... What a guy. Guillermo, like, he's great at world Man building. knows how to make a film. <laughs> hey, he... Like, say what you will about like any of his movies, whether you're creeped out by the fish sex or all that stuff, <laughs> he makes narrative. Hey, se- I was here for it. I feel like I was like, I'm going to go there with you, Guillermo. Me let's too. go on this it ride. It won an Oscar. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, look, let's do it. Let's get fishy. Let's get weird. Let's get... <laughs> Basically, like, he's an amazing world builder, but he never loses that human element that keeps you invested. Like, his yeah. stories always have some sort of emotional punch totally. or message, which Mike Mignola lacks. And so I kind of feel like... Like, so Guillermo makes Liz the love interest. He gives Hellboy, like, more personality rather than just being, like, I say ironic things and punch. Yeah, exactly. And, like, he really fleshed everything out. And I feel like this bit with Alice and Hellboy kissing in this story was kind of Mike Mignola being, like... His attempt to be, like, I can do it, too! This is his attempt at the human element that's missing from his work. And, like, frankly, it it falls flat. flat Because he's a sociopath. (laughs) He enabled a sexual abuser. Oh he my wouldn't God. sign my brother's autograph. <laughs> and poor Sam, his biggest fan. Jesus Christ. Okay, moving swiftly away from that. Okay, so in addition to watching the two Guillermo movies, we actually... Um, I also... Oh, so no, we watched one of them. Sorry. Oh, you're right. No, we did. Yeah, we only I was going to say, I was like, I want to just take back exactly what I just said because I hate it when people refer to celebrities by their first name. 
We watched Guillermo del Toro's... Or del Toro's. Del Toro, yeah. sure. His fucking movies. I'm not... Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, we watched Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, which I actually kind of hated when it came out. And I rewatched it now, and I was like, man, this is... I still think the first one's better. But... Honestly, like, I only ever had memories of watching it, like, mostly inebriated in, like, a donor kebab stand at, like potentially like one in the morning shout out to madrid oh yeah <laughs> look they know how to make a donor kebab this whole that's thing. because the spanish haven't figured out they were world power now they're not so they can just chill out relax I mean, and siesta you're not wrong they can't open a bank on time to save their life yeah but... jesus fuck it. or make coffee like in a oh successful... yeah their coffee was uh, horrible it's like would you like 90 percent milk and like just the a hint of coffee yes i'd like... love some gastrointestinal distress yeah. later <laughs> Thank you. We brewed coffee next to this cup of milk. Yeah. Would you like it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So Hellboy 2 The Golden Army is amazing. And I actually do feel like, I don't know, like it kind of did the whole world ending army stakes better than this did. Oh, 100%. Like they built up a cool mythology. They had rules. For, like it, it's yeah. a great movie. Like the atmosphere, the color, the acting, everything spot on. Yeah. A little too campy in my opinion. Really? Yeah. I was here for it. There were some aspects camp. where, like, where he's like saving the baby. I get why oh, they had to do it. Like, that was dumb. There were yeah, a few. There were a few lines that, like, man, like, so the first Hellboy movie, which we didn't watch, right? I actually, the reason we didn't watch it is because I've seen it so many times that yeah. I like that my enjoyment of it. Like, even though I love that movie, it's kind of no, hard I, to sit there I and get watch. It. Yeah, because especially, well, I feel like it's just hard to sit through a movie these days anyway, just because our attention spans are. Right, like, but shot. in researching this podcast, I saw clips from it, Yeah, and I was like, man, that's a great movie. I was, like, laughing out loud. Like, there's just certain stuff they did so well. Like, yeah. Ron Perlman as Hellboy? Mwah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Well, which, like, okay, I feel like we're kind of putting it off. No, wait, I, I have one more point to make about okay. this movie, because I actually need to rescind my point about praising Guillermo's whole love angle thing. Okay. Because... Hellboy and Liz in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, mm-hmm. are so toxic. It's oh my God. really hard to sit through that relationship and be like, yeah, you guys should stay together. Right, exactly. Oh, it's totally. like, yeah, it's like, have that kid. You guys yeah. should really, oh, yeah. A baby will make this, but two babies? It's like, yeah. great, excellent. That's going to really solve a lot of these problems. Yeah, so, oh my God. Well, Hellboy is a dick. Oh yeah, he was kind of a dick in the second movie. Oh God, yeah. It's like, it's, it's definitely a movie that shows its age. Yeah. Like, where you're like, wow, wowza. Like, well, I think I think it's that classic sequel thing where it's like, because in the first movie, he's a dick with a heart of gold. Right. Like, he really cares about Liz. And yeah. the reason he doesn't like the new agent is because he's potentially going for Liz. Like, right, right, he's right. a dick, but he's got a good heart. In this one, they're like, oh, it was people laughed when he was a dick. And so they just kind of keep <laughs> making him of, a dick. They really, like, double down on it. Yeah, and then you're But then they of... throw cats in there, but, like, but look, he likes cats. And it's like, that doesn't make this better. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's also one of those things where you're like, okay, he's just a dick. Is he ever going to, like... Yeah, exactly. It's like, does he have redeeming qualities? Like, why is she with him? Yeah. Like, what What about that? Yeah, fucking, if you ever put my toothpa- toothbrush in cat food, I would lose oh it. Oh, my God. That... I would yeah. win. <laughs> Uh, also i i don't know i don't do you think that this would pass the bechdel test because there has to be so to pass the bechdel test if oh, there needs what? to be another woman and they need the two women need to talk to each other about does something. she ever talk to the princess I don't... maybe oh there are two women in it but do they ever talk 
they don't I know that both women separately talk about something other than love interests. Right. But I don't know that they ever talk to each other in that movie. I don't either. Well, I'll give it points just for having two women. And not being solely devoted to the love interest thing. Yeah. Like, Although huh. there is that element with Abe Sapien and the princess. Yeah, but they don't, like, she also is, like, talking about not ending the world. She's not right. just some side play. Like, right, she's she's got goals. She's got, she's got shit she's trying she to do. She actually is pretty proactive about trying to prevent the end of the oh, world. Oh, 100%. Although if she was really proactive, she would have killed herself because she was linked wow. to... Well, she's linked to the big bad. She could have just been like... And oh, okay, Justin. He was sentenced to death anyways. Wait, and then just salt? Oh, okay. okay, yeah, sure. By the way, I do not condone that message of, like, <laughs> just kill you. <laughs> just kill yourself. Just fucking end it. Okay. Like, <laughs> But now we are putting off the turd in the room. Yeah, okay. The fucking big steamy pile of shit. We also watched 2019 Hellboy, directed by Neil Marshall, starring David Harbour as what a Hellboy. fucking... We didn't even finish it. Well, so I've seen it before. I have finished okay, it. Okay, yeah. I couldn't get through it. Yeah, we both sat there. I remember being like, why am I wasting my time with this? Yeah. And you kind of looked at me at the exact same time and said that out loud. And I was like, it's a sign. Time is such a finite resource. Like, why? Dude, it's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. I'm not really... <sighs> It's so stunningly mediocre that it's hard to even hate watch it. Oh, God, yeah. Because it's kind of like... There was just so much about it that was just like, this is... Yeah. Yes, mediocre. Yeah. It's like... Because some movies are so bad, they're good. Right. This movie was just like, stupid. It was stupid Just dumb. And like... I, some people have said, like, oh, well, David Harbour was good as Hellboy. And it's like, not when you've just watched Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Like, it no. doesn't hold water. It, and also, it's just like, I, so, coming into this movie, I couldn't tell if I had, like, a ton of preconceived notions about it just because I'd heard that it was bad. I also heard an interview with him where he talked about how uncomfortable the prosthetics were. And you can tell. Like, he's moving around, and you're like, God, he hates this. Like, it really affected his acting. You're like, Jesus. Like, this just looks cool. Well, I really felt like he was just reciting lines. Like, with oh, no... Totally. Em- like, when he's like, you're not a good dad! And you're like, oh, uh, Like, do you have any, like... It was just... It It was like we were watching Hopper in a bad costume. Yeah. Be trying... Yeah, like... And his... Yeah. It was really hard to look at that costume. It was so ugly, like... It was really poorly done. It's like, I know he's a demon, but they, they never give him the top nut, so he's always got that long, oh, greasy God, hair. Oh, which, like, was so distracting. They, like, he doesn't have a top lip, so you just kind of see his teeth peeking out from under... It's like... It was so weird. Yeah, it's it's hard to look at. They, like... This Hellboy is supposedly younger than the other Hellboy, okay. but he's, like, somehow more scarred he up. He looks, and, like, like, more haggard, and he looked yeah. older. Yeah. Also, it's, like... it. Again, we kind of, like, talked about this in our critique of the comic, but, like, I think a major problem with the movie is that it was so true to the source material, and the source material is fucking, like... No, I... I like, just, where I, are we going? I got a hard disagree with you there. I think it was... It was faithful to the source material on a very superficial level, yeah. where they're like, this is something that did happen in the right, comic. Right, like Wild Hunt... Alice, and then honestly, that's where we stopped, and I was like, I just can't do it. But this then, anymore. like, they just like remixed certain elements to the point where, like, why did you make that change? Like, yeah. I understand for a movie adaptation, you sometimes have to trim the fat or like make things kind of weave things together a little bit more neatly, but it's like they really like okay, their whole problem, first of all, is like, what are you trying to do jumping to the climax of 
the series. Like, this movie was based on what we just read, The Wild right. Hunt and those stories. Yeah. And it's like, why are you trying to jump to the literal... This is, this is 30 years of storytelling. Yeah. Why are you doing it now? Like, why not start small with a spooky ghost story or, like... Uh, it it was just so disjointed. It made no. It's like sense. let's jump in there with Baba Yaga, fucking Blood Queen Merlin. Like yeah, oh, there's yeah. like, oh, and also oh. it's like they spent so much time like explaining it to us too. Where it's just like oh, they really didn't, they didn't show anything. It was all they just told you. They're like, like even that first scene when they're in Mexico. Yeah, Hellboy's in Mexico about to go in and find his friend, and his boss Professor Broom is being like. Okay, we lost contact with our agent. You need to go find him. And it's like, yeah, you didn't tell him that till he got here. Like, got there? Yeah. It's like, why is he in Mexico then? Also, it's just like I just hated how like fucking badass like uh, Nimoid Blood Queen was in the comic, and then in the movie they were almost like playing her for laughs. And I'm like, this is not. Yeah, she's sitting there with her foot in her lap watching Love Island. Right. Oh God, that was painful. Can we also talk about? I hate the trope of like evil returns after a thousand years or whatever and then immediately watches tv to catch up on how bad the world is and then has some commentary about it yeah like oh they've done this and this and this and it's like when you (sighs) came people were shitting in the ground it's like you don't see any positives yeah and it's like also are you not deeply concerned by this like moving picture box like what the fuck like yeah yeah it's... it's like your food like never goes old it's in a refrigerated box like you're not upset at like you, things aren't freaking you out anyway yeah. i just like it, it was a movie so bad we couldn't even really hate watch it yeah it was just like i actually which, this is not a hot take i know a lot of people have like critiqued this movie for being as bad as it is but honestly it's just like how do you like i'm just surprised that they did another one without Guillermo del Toro when those other movies were so successful I'm just surprised that they departed at all so the rumor I had heard and I had trouble like verifying this online so take it with a grain of salt but the rumor I had heard was that Mike Mignola was actually kind of a unhappy with the way that the the Golden Army and the original Hellboy movie had sort of varied had strayed from the source material so he kind of wanted something more faithful to his vision and that was what this reboot was kind of billed as, and it just wasn't. It was all over the place. I think they even got Professor Broom's name wrong. I'm 99% sure they called him Professor Brutenholm or something like that. What? So, yeah, I think, like... Okay. I don't know. I, it's just a deeply disappointing movie on so many levels. Yeah. Do not watch. No, skip that one just right on over. I think that's it. I think that's it. Wow, I feel like I let out a lot of rage... I just know. Not, and I feel this good. This car is full of rage. Yeah. Also. At Babies, at <laughs> Mike Mignola, yeah. at Neil Marshall and David Harbour. Only love for Guillermo and Ron. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> Our two best friends, Guillermo and, and Ron. Ron. <laughs> yeah. We know them extremely well, which is why we're referring to them on a first-name basis. I feel like I know Guillermo pretty well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we went to that exhibit in L.A., and I feel like I've been inside you, his mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know the man. Um, all right, guys, so this has been Comic Bay. Um, we actually switched over our, um, we hosted our our feed for our podcast on SoundCloud, but we actually switched over to Anchor pretty recently. So now you guys can leave us voice messages. Yay! Um, if you leave us a voice message on our website at anchor.fm slash comic bay that's anchor a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m slash comic bay 
um, at the top, it, there's like a little icon. It just says message with a plus sign. Just click that and you guys can record an audio message and we might play it back on the podcast and respond to you. Um, Provided it's not lewd, racist, bigoted, and we'll, like that. We'll play it especially if it's lewd. <laughs> like we'll bump that to the top of the queue. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you guys can also follow us on social media at Comic Bay Podcast on Twitter. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Um, yeah, stay safe, stay sane. I think it's all gonna be okay. Wait, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. see. <laughs> okay, we love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>